The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello, and welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Adwa Theogene. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. Hey, Edward, how's it going? Good. I'm super excited because this is the beginning of Pride Month. So happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. <laughs> this is a really great, exciting month because Pride Month commemorates the Stonewall Riots of June 1969, which is a movement led by trans women of color in response to police violence towards LGBTQ patrons at the Stonewall Inn. Um, This month is also a time to celebrate the lives of LGBTQ people throughout history, reflect on progress of the past decades, and recommit to the fight for true equality for all LGBTQ people. Um, To discuss what's happening during Pride Month 2021 and the issues impacting young LGBTQ people today, we're joined by two really great experts that I'm excited for us to talk to. Um, We have Sam Brinton. Um, Sam is the Vice President of Advocacy and Government Affairs at the Trevor Project. Hi, Sam. Hey there. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining. Um, we're also joined by Sharita Gruberg, Vice President of the LGBTQ Research and Communications Project at the Center for American Progress. Hi, Sharita. Hi, Edwin. Hi. Um, so thank you again both for joining us. We're going to jump right into conversation and get you know, get started to dig in deep and learn more about Pride and some of the awesome work that's happening. To start us off, Sam, what is the mission of the Trevor Project? And can you tell us a little bit about your role at the organization? Absolutely. So the Trevor Project um, is has a pretty simple mission, which takes a lot of effort, but, um, you know, uh, pretty simple to describe, which is our mission is to end LGBTQ youth um, suicide, right? We we work to save young LGBTQ lives. Um, we do this through a variety of different ways. So we were founded more than 20 years ago um, with a lifeline, a few phones stuck together that haven't stopped ringing since. We now have text and chat services. We of course have social media um, outreach. We do a lot of really great um, education and research work. My role at the Trevor Project is to lead our advocacy team. So my work there is basically to make sure that LGBTQ youth, um, whether at the federal, state, or local level, have the same rights and responsibilities um, in the legislature, litigation, or in public education. So it's uh, been quite quite the adventure. Uh, it's, it's kind of shocking to think that um, we... Uh, it's only been 20 years, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing kind of what this 
next generation of young people what they need, right? Because that's what I think all of us should be here. Trevor Project and everyone else should be there trying to say, how do we meet the needs of the services um, for young people in crisis? Because those crises are going to change. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I remember when the Trevor Project started. Um, wow, I feel old. <laughs> I was going to say that also, yes, that makes me uh, feel old as well, because, yeah. Um, all right, well, Sam, thanks so much for sharing um, about your work um, and the super important um, mission of the project. Um, Sharita, I'm going to hop over to you real fast here. Um, Sharita is the Vice President um, of LGBTQ Research and Comms um, at the Center for American Progress. So Sharita, what is the mission um, of your team um, at CAP and um, what is your team currently working on? Sure. So my team really reflects CAP in that we use evidence and data to develop ideas for policymakers that re lead to real change in addressing the many disparities that the LGBTQ community and people living at the intersection of multiple identities within our community are facing. Uh, as far as priorities of our work right now, um, definitely getting the Equality Act passed into law. It is unbelievable that we are over 40 years uh, since this bill was first thought of and introduced, uh, and it's definitely taken different forms since then, but um, we still need comprehensive federal non-discrimination protections so that our rights don't depend on our zip code. Uh, we also push for data. Um, we really don't have a great idea about the experiences of LGBTQ people in this country or the ways that policies are impacting uh, the LGBTQ community because the federal government doesn't collect uh, basic information on LGBTQ people. Uh, so things like the great work that the Trevor Project's doing in providing this data uh, is really important, but we're still pushing the government uh, to add sexual orientation and gender identity data um, throughout their, uh, throughout their um, data collection efforts. And then of course, uh, healthcare and access, uh, the health disparities experienced by our community, and that includes physical and mental health, uh, are really significant. We uh, have issues of higher rates of uninsurance uh, and issues like discrimination and cost are barriers to care. And in the middle of a global pandemic, um, it is more important than ever uh, that our community is able to access the care that we need. Absolutely, Sharita. Um, we're really, you know, the, the work that you all do um, is crucial and huge. And we're we're glad to have um, your evidence and database work um, to sort of use as a citation on a regular basis about um, why we're still fighting for um, comprehensive um, and uh, much more equitable uh, uh, protections for um, LGBTQ people in this country. Um, so as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, June is Pride Month. Um, and so that that inspired the topic for today. Um, and I think that uh, Pride Month is means a little bit something different to everybody. Um, but it started um, with the same the same moment in history. Um, so I think Sharita, I'm going to ask this question of you first. And then Sam, if you can be thinking of your answer, Sir, you can jump right in after Sharita. Um, can you give us a brief overview of the history of Pride Month um, and what it means to the LGBTQ community, um, to your mind? Sure. So the celebration uh, commemorates the Stonewall riots. And um, so starting with St. Christopher Day Parade, uh, it was marking the anniversary of this protest. And um, 
really is credited with the formation of the modern LGBTQ uh, civil rights movement. And Sam, I'm going to kick it to you if you have more to add. But the only other flag I would have is, um, you know, Pride is commemorating a protest. It really is in line with uh, some of the more radical um, pushes from our community to not just be equal and included, but to really push forward what um, what these concepts mean and not just having LGBTQ people uh, fit into boxes of what society expects, but being accepted and included um, as the community is. And uh, the leadership of uh, folks of color, particularly trans women of color in um, you know, pushing for our rights, both at Stonewall and beyond, um, is really formative to how the uh, movement both started and uh, is driven today. I love that, uh, Sharita. I think there's there's this clear, um, we always seem to remember in June that Pride was a riot. And I keep trying to tell folks, like, I would really love if we remembered in January that Pride was a riot, right? Like this this June is coming on the um, on the end of a legislative season that has just been horrific, nothing short of horrific, right? Like um, uh, horrific for trans and non-binary youth. There's just been so many attacks on our rights and our opportunities. And so I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't have minded uh, more people being like, you know what? Pride in January, Pride in February, Pride in March is that response. Just like Marsha P. Johnson um, responded to police brutality at Stonewall, um, we need to be responding in our own way. I also, to bring in my lovely history moment of Stonewall, is it was young people. It was young people. Generation progress takeover, right? Like, it was young people. These were... Hell yeah. These were, <laughs> these were, these were young people who had had no homes. Many of them didn't have families to return to, but they had found a place in New York, a little hole in the wall where they could be themselves. And that that led to some of the greatest change in equality in history. So never, I always love, you know, they always use the quote, never doubt a small group of people. Um, uh, they can change the world. Like never doubt a small group of young people too. Let's be honest, right? Like they are, they are ready. They were done with the attacks. And I'm really sad to say that pride this, this year, um, you know, still comes with them being um, pushed aside and, and attacked. So sorry to not to be negative, but like it's a good thing to remember for Pride that we were we were young folks pushing back and we need to still be doing it. Totally. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back with the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall show after this. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Hi there, welcome back to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Um, I'm your co-host, Edwith Theogene. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Um, today we are talking about Pride Month and we are talking about LGBTQ youth mental health with Sam Britton from The Trevor Project and Sharita Gruberg from um, CAPS LGBTQ Research and Communications Project. Um, so before we ended on our last session, uh, Sam basically got us all riled up and remembering that Stonewall 
um, that pride started as a riot and reminded us of a lot of the great fight that came from Stonewall. Uh, so we're going to jump right back in. And the first thing I'd like to ask, I'm going to throw it back to you again, Sam, is the Trevor Project recently released a report on LGBTQ youth and mental health. Sam, can you give us some background on why the Trevor Project decided to look at youth mental health specifically for this report? Um, were there any like key findings that came out from this report? Any thoughts? Yeah, I uh, to build off of Stonewall, um, it, it has obviously improved significantly since then, but we have so much work left to do. I think um, as the nation's organization working to prevent suicide and intervene in crisis for LGBTQ youth, we, we surveyed tens of thousands of LGBTQ youth from all over the country. Um, and really the, the top finding that is, that is kind of heartbreaking is that more than half of trans and non-binary youth um, uh, have seriously considered attempting suicide just in the past year. If that 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 is one in two, right? Like more than half. Um, and as a trans person myself, that that that's hard. That's why this survey was needed. Was we needed to understand um, just how bad it was out there. But uh, again, to give a really positive note, there was affirming spaces, right? Like if you have access to a space that affirms your sexual orientation or gender identity, like, for example, a Stonewall Inn, right, um, you have lower rates of attempting suicide. And if you're a person who has your pronouns respected, you are half as likely to attempt suicide as those who do not. So we we did find that it was it's it's bad and we have a lot of work left to be done. But we also learned what the work could be, right? Create those affirming spaces, create um, a place where uh, pronouns can be respected. Uh, and I'll end with with another stat. I'm a nerd, so I'm, I'm <laughs> all for a good a good stat. But we found that 12% of the white of white youth um, attempted suicide, but that was compared to 21% of Black youth, 18% of Latinx youth, and 21% of multiracial youth. As a mixed person um, with Native and Indigenous heritage. 31% of Native and Indigenous LGBTQ youth attempted suicide this year. So um, it is, disparities still exist. I love that Sharita brought in that, you know, these were Black trans women of color at Stonewall. Um, we still have disparities among our Black trans youth um, here in in today and the modern age. And I think that that, that leads me to um, knowing that the work continues. Thanks, Sam, for sharing that. I'm curious. So basically, the solutions that the report did offer was having more affirming spaces. Does that also imply that one of the reasons that there are all these high numbers of suicide is because there's a lack of affirming spaces and a lack of respective pronouns? Absolutely. The <laughs> the 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 factor is, is that only only like one in three LGBTQ youth found that their home was affirming, right? One in three, right? If you, 40% uh, of LGBTQ youth had lost their job during the pandemic um, or had found that it wasn't affirming. Um, we had a variety of historic unemployment and food insecurity issues. You had discrimination um, specifically based on uh, maybe your race as well as your sexual orientation and gender identity compounding with 67% of black LGBTQ youth um, being discriminated against in their job. 
right? So, so I think, yes, the lack of affirmation is leading to crisis. Wow. I love also that you brought this economic justice lens into it too, because we definitely do believe that you don't live single issue lives, right? I think a lot of the times we separate out all the different issues and the impact that it has. So it sounds like this report really contextualizes all the different challenges that LGBTQ plus youth have to sort of like navigate and the impact that that has on their mental health. Um, Sharita, do you have anything you'd like to add on the findings of this report and any or cap team takeaways? I mean, first off, I am just so grateful to the Trevor Project for putting this out. As I said at the beginning of this, we just don't have nearly enough data on the experiences of LGBTQ people. And having this information as horrifying as it is about how um, how badly the youth in our community are doing, it helps us um, direct policymakers to the solutions. And I really love the way that Sam laid out that it's it's not that hard. You affirm people, you include them, um, but it is really devastating to see the attacks on trans kids throughout the country at the state level, and especially with what we know about how um, this is a community that already has high rates of suicidal ideation, high rates of suicide, and that it's these exact types of attacks that increase um, or contribute to um, suicidality versus simple interventions like affirming people's identities and respecting pronouns could have such a huge impact. And just, it, it, it's really both devastating to think of the ways that not just any adults, but adults in leadership and policymakers are choosing um, to not only not affirm these youth, but to attack them. Um, but on the flip side, I think there is hope in that there are so many folks that are affirming and that this information is really helpful to arm uh, the policymakers that do care in uh, doing the right thing and helping to, in meaningful ways, uh, address um, the issues that these youth are facing. Uh, also, th the findings from the study really reinforce what we found in our uh, survey that we did last year where you know the community as a whole were facing really high rates of discrimination and really terrible uh, outcomes as a result. But Gen Z in particular had much worse outcomes for every single question we asked. So for example, over one in third of LGBT folks experienced discrimination the past year. For Gen Z folks, that was 57%. And just throughout the survey, as terrible as the um, responses and experiences were, uh, for younger folks, it, the disparities were even higher and the needs for um, policy interventions were even higher. Thanks, Sharita. I think that, you know, that's, I'm glad that you brought in the, the Gen Z mention there. I also hear so often that um, Gen Z is, um, you know, in, in the same space, um, so affirming. Um, and it's just it gives us hope for the future to see um, how the generation is becoming much, you know, is a much more accepting um, space. And I think we just have a couple seconds here until our commercial break. And then I want to pick back up on this thread when we get back. But you're listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Um, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. 
welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And, and I'm your Edith. other co-host, Edwin. <laughs> like an Edwin that's stuck on mute. Yes. <laughs> Virtual office life. Virtual office life. Uh, well, welcome back and happy Pride Month. Um, just to, to touch base with people who might be just joining us, um, we've got Sam Brinton from the Trevor Project and Sharita Gruberg from the Center for American Progress. And we are talking um, all things Pride, always to, to honor Pride Month with action and also to talk about ways that uh, we want to celebrate Pride Month as well. Um, and so just before this, um, I, I wanted to say, like, Sharita, there, there's um, sort of an opportunity to bring awareness to things that don't normally um, get this sort of um, airtime, I think, during June. Um, so are there any topics that you think should be given particular attention um, this Pride Month, um, ways that folks can take action or with things that we want to celebrate here? Sure, definitely. Um, so June is also Immigrant Heritage Month, and June 20th is World Refugee Day. Uh, we saw an over the last administration, just horrific attacks on the immigrant community and refugees. And these attacks um, also really impacted uh, the well-being of LGBTQ immigrants and refugees, thinking particularly about the horrific loss of life of two trans women that came to this country seeking protection and instead died because of our country's medical neglect and immigration detention. Um, there are a lot of opportunities for this administration to really uh, not just go back to the way things were, but move forward and really meaningfully protect LGBTQ people fleeing persecution and ensure that uh, programs like DACA and other um, citizenship programs are accessible to LGBTQ folks. Again, we know the last administration discriminated against children from same-sex international couples uh, or couples who used an international surrogate. Uh, this administration's already taken steps to reverse that, but there's a lot more that can be done to help um, unite and recognize our families in the immigration space uh, and protect our folks from deportation and uh, violence and detention. And so I definitely wanted to lift up uh, the needs of LGBTQ immigrants as well as uh, folks who are citizens of this country during this month. Thanks, Sharita. I think that's an important point. Like Edwith was saying, I think earlier in the conversation, uh, people don't live single issue lives, you know, uh, people are uh, duly impacted um, by by a lot of this. So um, great, great point. And thanks for raising those. Um, Sam, same question. Uh, are there any topics you think that would um, that would benefit from some extra attention this this Pride Month? Absolutely. I um, I want to celebrate, right? Like it's been a, it's been a hard few years. Um, this, is, this, is, uh, yeah. this has not been the easiest year. Um, I miss I miss my pride parades. Uh, I definitely though do want to to celebrate that there has been a lot of good that has still happened this year when it comes to LGBT equality, right? All, along with I'm sure you just commentation comment on uh, the administration. Uh, pushing back on badness. We've also had local activists who really took it upon themselves to, to protect young people. Um, I'm, I'm proud to say that like Norman, Oklahoma, Columbia, South Carolina, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, sorry, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, Lawrence, Kansas. These are cities that no one would really expect to be, um, you know, bastions of LGBT equality, but they've all passed resolutions and ordinances protecting young people from conversion therapy just this year, just in the last couple of weeks. Right. So this is going to be the first pride where, again, city after city and state after state 
have protections against the dangerous and discredited practice of conversion therapy. And I think that's something we're celebrating. I, I'm really, really happy about that. I'll I'll say it's also a, a pride where we're going to remember. We're going to remember that we lost um, individuals to, to a heinous terrorist act um, that happened at Pulse five years ago. I, I lost friends that I had literally... I had literally danced with the week before, right? And and it was excruciating, but um, I'm currently, you, welcome to digital offices. I'm currently looking up at a painting um, that my husband painted for me um, in memory of that, which is this raised rainbow um, fist of resilience, of, of, of resistance. And when I fight for anti-conversion therapy laws and anti-conversion therapy ordinances, I'm doing it remembering that that impulse, they tried to stop us. They tried to tell us that we couldn't even, you know, celebrate and share with each other. But we responded with 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 recognition that we will survive. We will we will push through. So um, I think this is going to be a really interesting pride for that. Yeah, I think it's really important. I know that there's a lot of different activities that are happening in commemoration of the uh, five year anniversary of the shooting at Pulse nightclub. And I think I'm really sorry for the people that have been lost. And I think it's really motivating and inspiring um, to also celebrate resilience within this moment. Um, yeah, I'm just so taken aback and like processing that. I hope everyone's taking a moment to reflect those really impactful words that Sam just shared. Uh, moving forward, I think that I wanted to pivot a little bit for us to talk. Uh, we have like about five minutes but just to talk about the Equality Act. We discussed the Equality Act before the show, um, but Sam, can you give us a quick refresher on what the bill entails and what comes next for the legislation? Sure thing. Uh, I like to keep things simple uh, because I think that's the best way to go about it. Equality just basically helps make sure that we are all, the Equality Act will help make sure that whether it be in financial situations, educational situations, um, in in access to spaces and in access to um, opportunity, we're given the same rights and responsibilities as anyone else when it comes to our sexual orientation and our gender identity. It codifies into law that we are just like everybody else. Um, uh, as a person who you know doesn't like to necessarily uh, blend in, it's the normalization factor. It's the thing that makes us all the same. And I think that that is a really uh, great way of describing what their, where the Equality Act is. And I'll let my you know brilliant colleague, uh, Sharita, <laughs> give you the nuts and bolts. When it comes to what's next, we have obviously passage in the House. We're waiting for that vote in the Senate. We are so excited for LGBTQ youth and others to see themselves um, being fought for in the hallowed halls of Congress. That is going to be a really important day. Yes. Sharita, tell us a little bit about the Equality Act. I mean, I second everything that Sam said, and I just want to add, you know, we are we are currently waiting for the Supreme Court to basically rule in this case that decides whether taxpayer-funded providers of critical services can refuse to serve people just because of who they are, like being a, a same-sex couple. And so we can't rely on our courts, especially with one in four federal judges being a Trump appointee to uphold our rights or continue this move forward and expanding equality. We need Congress to pass the Equality Act and make it really clear that no matter where you live, you are protected in these key areas of life, like stores and restaurants and um, lifts and Ubers or at school or um, at 
you know, in banking institutions um, or in jury service uh, or when you're seeking the critical services from the government that you and your families need. Um, it is so important that we have this legislation. Uh, we, you know, as we're seeing in the states um, and the attacks on trans kids, it's now that we have this uh, majority in Congress, uh, we need them to act and uh, in, enact these pro-equality laws. Uh, unfortunately, we, despite how popular the Equality Act is, you know, based on whatever survey you see, we, we're seeing between like 70 and 80 plus percent of the country supports it. And this is true uh, with majority support, regardless of political affiliation or where in the country you are or what faith background you're from. It's got tons of support. And I just wanted to connect it also to H.R. Uh, 1, the For the People Act. We would not have a Senate that feels comfortable ignoring their constituents and uh, the popularity of passing these protections if we didn't have partisan gerrymandering, if we didn't have um, all of this uh these um, things in our government that are antithetical to democratic rule and democracy. And without, you know, S1, HR1 are uh, LGBTQ issues because without these critical protections for democracy, we're not going to get um, protections like the Equality Act in place. Which is like super important. I'm happy that you drew that connection to our functioning democracy. It was really interesting to learn and correct me if I'm wrong, but like 29 states do not currently have laws that explicitly protect LGBTQ people. So uh, from discrimination. So that makes the Equality Act super important. Um, we'll be right back to dig into that just a little bit more after this break. This is the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Thanks for joining. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm almost sad to cut into that musical transition. Loving it, Mark. It's, uh, you know, feels like a party. Um, so just want to welcome everybody back here. We are talking about Pride Month. Um, happy Pride Month. It is June. It is June 2nd. Um, and to welcome back our guests, we've got Sam Brinton from the Trevor Project and Sharita Gruberg um, from the Center for American Progress. Um, and we've been talking about how we uh, can honor the LGBTQ community um, with action. Uh, and in doing that, talking about the Equality Act and the importance of the Equality Act. Um, I think, Sharita, I would love to hear from you uh, how people can get involved in supporting um, the legislation. What should folks be doing? Um, you know, we can it's it's great to talk about what the bill does and the protections that it would offer um, and how it would help um, ensure that everybody is provided equal protections under the law. Um, but how do we actually get this across the finish line? I mean, we are going to need everybody to call their senators and demand it. I recommend going to PassTheEqualityAct.com to learn more and see how you can uh, get involved with the campaign uh, to push for the bill. Also, um, EqualityTime.org is a place where you can go to um, sign up to do some virtual phone banking and help mobilize other folks to contact their senators. and um, spread the word. So these are, you know, always really important. Uh, but we're hearing from the Hill that the opponents 
of uh, non-discrimination protections and LGBTQ equality are really organized, are mobilizing their folks to um, bombard the Senate with calls against the Equality Act. And so we really need those calls and support to demonstrate that this has support and that folks uh, are expecting their senators to act and pass this important legislation. Great, thanks. And um, Sam, I know earlier you mentioned that the legislation has gone through the House. Sharita, you're saying it is in the Senate. Um, Sharita, are there particular um, states, uh, state senators uh, that we should be focusing on at the moment? Or is it just it's sort of across the board we need the support? I mean, so it's got uh, every Democratic senator except for Joe Manchin on it right now. Uh, so, but I think that, as I said, opponents are calling everybody in opposition. Mm -hmm. So it, even if your senator is already on it, it help, doesn't hurt to say thanks or let them know that you're strong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the targets are we need uh, 60 votes. And so... Um, it, we're going to need some Republicans on it to get it passed. And so we're going to need the Susan Collinses of the world and the Lisa Murkowski's um, and the Toomey's and the Portman's and the Romney's. So, uh, yeah, just if you've got Republican senators, uh, give them a call and tell them why it's important to you. Great. Thanks so much. Um, well, I want to make sure that folks uh, who would like to, who folks who are listening, um, as we're headed towards wrap up here, for people who are listening and do want to get involved in um, Pride Month activities or advocating um, for needed reforms, including the Equality Act, which we've been talking about, um, where should they go to get more information or take next steps? Um, Sam, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this one over to you. Sure. So I think let's start with the very clear uh, fact that um, uh, whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or not, um, allyship is something we can all do, right? So we all need to be in the moment of pride, um, showing it um, and sharing it uh, as a verb. Ally is a verb, not just a noun. This is not like a, you know, collecting Pokemon, got to collect all the allies. It's not a It's not a thing. We have to do something about it. So how do we do something about it? As I said in that earlier part, when I talked about the survey, we create affirming spaces. How do we do that? We, we don't make assumptions. We ask questions. We learn. We grow. We make sure that places are um, affirming by, by, by our our words and our deeds, not just a, a rainbow sticker. Don't just put a rainbow on something in Pride Month, um, right? Like, let's let's do something about it. Second, we act and our allies and learn more about this, um, especially when it comes to pronouns. Those, again, who have their pronouns respected um, are half as likely to attempt suicide as those who do not. So when you think, oh, this is so difficult, um, think of how you're saving lives. That is a really easy way for me to kind of like lean into Pride Month action is to say, you know what, I am saving lives by creating affirming spaces and and making sure that I am responding to things by calling my senator and asking for the Equality Act. I'm creating more affirming spaces, which will save lives by making sure I respect someone's pronouns. I can be saving someone's life. That is how I think we should all be spending pride. I think that's such a great point to make that like, cause I think a lot of people get caught up on like, this doesn't sound grammatically correct or like, I don't understand this and blah, blah, blah. But the framing of it that like, you're literally saving someone's life just by making this slight change 
that might feel like an inconvenience to you, but really isn't, I think is really a great factor and something to remember in terms of like Pride Month. So thanks for sharing that, Sam. Um, we only have like a couple more minutes, but I think something that came up too that we wanted to ask that came up in conversation, Sam, like you had mentioned some state specific legislation that's like worth celebrating. Um, and I think like Sharita, you've also talked about the sports bills sort of targeting trans girls and conversion there. Like everyone's talked about what's been happening across the board in terms of states. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about this trend that we see cropping up, either Sam or Sharita? I can pick Sam. Sorry. Oh, go, Sharita. <laughs> so, okay, so I'll start really quickly. One of the things that I, I think is really important um, in these in these bills is that they are attacking those who are the most vulnerable. So in moments of pride, remember that you, by your very nature, are coming from uh, coming into this with a little bit of resilience and resistance already built into you, and you mm. need to be sharing that with others. We need to be telling trans um, and non-binary youth, just like the president did in their speech, that we have their back. We need to be celebrating um, uh, Assistant Secretary Levine and others who are mm -hmm. trying to be representations of their voice um, in a government that doesn't always see them. That is how I think we respond to some of these. Yes, we obviously need to stop the state legislatures that are doing these horrible things. Um, I'm looking at you. Uh, Governor DeSantis um, on the beginning of Pride Month, but I do think that we do that by making sure we uh, are are sharing the resistance and resilience that we have built in on ourselves. Sorry, Sharita, I hope, I I'm sure you have something even more brilliant to say about that. No, that's perfect. I mean, it's I, I can't emphasize enough how horrifying the attacks are in the states. We've seen 337 anti-LGBTQ bills introduced in state legislatures. Uh, this year, 150 of those were attacking trans folks. Most of those are attacking trans children. Uh, yeah, from the babies. Yeah, which is just unconscionable. And even th there were 40 bills introduced to prevent trans kids from getting the health care they need. Um, just the, the cruelty of these attacks, especially when it's not like these legislatures don't have other pressing concerns. Like, I don't know a global pandemic and an economic crisis. <laughs> Think of at least two things that they should probably spend their time on rather than victim uh, uh, villainizing children. Um, and yet that's where they've spent their time. We've had 32 anti-LGBTQ bills enacted into law and um, Louisiana is waiting for its governor to sign a ban on trans athletes into law currently. So the attacks have been rampant, but I do want to shout out some just truly amazing local advocates who have blocked some of the worst of these attacks um, or uh, made sh or forced them uh, to be vetoed um, or by the governor. And that really is a testament to the great advocacy of our community and our allies. Uh, I am definitely stealing what Sam said about uh, ally being a verb, and we've seen that in these uh, state fights as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I think it's great that you also pointed out Governor DeSantis. Um, he has other things to worry about on the five year on the upcoming five year anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting that happened within his own state. He signed um, an anti LGBTQ plus bill that basically took funding away from a community 
uh, institution that provides support to direct to those directly impacted by the Pulse nightclub. Instead of passing gun violence prevention laws, which Florida desperately needs. Um, so again, this is a moment of action for everyone. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you again to today's guests. Sam from the Trevor Project and Sharita from the Center for American Progress. We're so grateful for the brilliance that you've brought to the show today. Um, we'd also like to thank our producer, Mark Grimaldi, our communications manager, Emily Leach, and thank you to all of our listeners. Please go celebrate Pride. Make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Gen Progress. We'll talk to you all again on our next remote Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show.